0: Welcome into the latest episode of the 5 Reasons Podcast. I'm Ethan Skolnick here as always with Chris Whittingham. Now that you've found us, make sure you hit the subscribe or follow button on your favorite podcast provider. That way you'll get all of our old episodes as well as all of our new episodes as soon as they post. We did a Dolphins episode last week, an NBA slash Heat episode. And tonight, this is a Sunday night we're coming to you. We're going to just talk about the Heat. So you can also check out Miami Heat Beat. That's uh, Mike Biamonte, the voice of the Heat inside the arena, the PA man. Was on with them last week. It's great stuff. You got to hear him do his justice better, which I think will be iconic in our network. You'll hear it a few thousand times, I believe, um, on that particular podcast. But today I'm we're I'm, I'm, I'm so jealous of just people with with pipes with with just like incredible
1: voices because I'm a, I'm a broadcaster and I don't feel like I have them. And so like you, the, the moment he starts talking, it's like wow. That guy has a voice, like a voice that you can understand how in a competition some years ago, Mike Biamonte won uh, the, the competition to be the voice of the Heat because, my God, would you listen to him? So I, I was actually uh, driving around listening to that uh, today, which is, of course, uh, the beauty of our podcasting platform, that you don't have to listen to it as it airs. I listened to it days after Miami Heat Heatby posted it, but, uh, yeah, I was listening to it, and it was like, wow, would you listen to him? And it, 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 was, it was really enjoyable. I think Heat fans will love that episode.
0: Well, I, the the crazy thing about it too was that the the guy with the best voice in our network, probably other than Simon Clancy on Three Yards Per Carry, because, <laughs> I mean, how could you beat the British guy? But, <laughs> but, but but the second best guy, I guess, I would say is is Brass Jazz. Um, yeah, actually- and and he too uh, has he too has the the pipes that I'm jealous of, yeah, un- unquestionably. Shocked- that's John Kozan, and uh, and he actually uh, does some, I think, acapella and some other kind of singing, and it was just funny to hear him on with Mike B because brass is great, but Mike B is, like, next level. So it, <laughs> it, uh, it, it was pretty fascinating stuff and should be a lot of fun, to, if only to hear his Luol dang Dang, because That was our favorite, and then he, he talks on there about how he had to adjust it uh, when Lou came, but he didn't want to make it too, you know, sort of upbeat because he wanted to keep a little bit, uh, its just sort of like you're doing a cover right of a song? And exactly middle of the original song. and and so I think uh, that's how he was trying to handle that. All right, but let's get into the heat. We've, we're gonna split this one more into three parts than five parts today because I think there are three major things to get into. The first thing is just and just simple question I'm gonna pose and it's it's kind of rhetorical, uh, but we're gonna try to answer it, which is how did the heat get this bad? Because I was at the game last night, uh, wrote a column for HeatBeatMiami.com, and you know I went in hoping to be a little bit more positive because the Heat was not real thrilled with my first offering about two months ago, and yeah, it didn't play out that way. I mean, they lose by 20 plus in a game that they're up 11 against a Detroit team. That I mean, let let's just be honest here. I have thrown this out there. If you take you know the 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 best players on the teams competing for the seven and eight spot in the in the East, so you take Orlando, Charlotte. Uh, Miami and uh, whom I miss, and Detroit. Mm-hmm. And you throw those players together, you would not beat Golden State in a seven game series. In fact, you might not get a game unless Kemba Walker or Blake Griffin went off. So we're not talking about great teams that the Heat's competing with to get the seven or eight seed. Detroit basically ran the Heat off the floor last night in the fourth quarter with a lineup that included Ish Smith, Langston Galloway, Zaja Pachulia, who I didn't even know was in Detroit, <laughs> Don, Don Maker, who was just dumped by the Bucks, and Luke Kennard, who's best known as the guy that Stan Van Gundy took instead of Donovan Mitchell. Th- those were the five guys that ran the heat off the floor at the start of the fourth quarter. And when asked after the game, Eric Spolster was like, I really thought we'd have a good fourth because of the way that we finished the third. So uh, look, we've danced around this all year. You've posed the question to me, Chris, all year. Is this a bad basketball team? The Heat are a bad basketball team. They just are. And and the it hasn't totally shown up in the net rating, but they are right now in terms of net rating. And in, well, let's put it this way. In terms of wins, they're the third worst team in the league in wins. That's not openly tanking. Okay? Mm-hmm. <laughs> So, so you throw these teams out of the mix: Phoenix, the Knicks, who scored on their own basket tonight at the start of the game. Did they really?
2: Yes. I
0: have the game on. I have the game on right now as we tape, and
1: they're they're doing that thing where they win, which is shocking to me.
0: Well, no, they tried not to win at the beginning. I mean, they haven't won a home game <laughs> in about two months. Uh, they're eleven and forty-eight overall. But it's Phoenix, the Knicks, the Bulls, the Hawks. You wouldn't know it because they've dominated the Heat. Um, those and, and Cleveland. Those are the five teams that we know they're openly tanking. So the only teams that are worse than the Heat in wins right now are the Wizards and the Grizzlies. And that's it of the teams that actually started the season trying. And with Memphis, I'm not quite sure. Like with, with Washington, I am. But Memphis has now traded You know, their franchise icon in Marc Gasol. So you have like six teams that aren't trying, which are worse than the Heat. And then you have one in Washington that was trying, but also lost their $40 million point guard. So uh, I just don't know how you would dance around it anymore. And, like- and you,
1: you have New Orleans that, you know, is a team that is in, in the middle of losing its its franchise superstar. And who knows, maybe its franchise. Like, they're, mm-hmm. uh, they're, they're, it's just one of those – I'm sorry. I was looking at the last 10 games. On the on the year, they're actually a, a positive. Now, I guess the raw number isn't that bad, right? It's a negative 1.1, 1. 1, which, I mean, generally has you at a 38-win team, which is, you know, uh, maybe like 39, 40. But, uh, but yeah, I'm just – to me, losing eight of their last 10 – I haven't really watched the game. I mean, obviously, last night was a calamity. But but before that, um, the Philly game I thought they were very competitive. Uh, the Golden State game it goes without saying. I, I think I think the Denver game was a schedule loss. But uh, the Friday night in Sacramento, um, I just. I, really since they lost to Chicago at home uh, at, at the end of January, have I really thought that the Heat played really poorly as it did last night? And I just, to me, bridging the gap between, you know, I was, I was making fun of, as like, you know, all the all the Heat fans, you know, on our network and on social media, as the Dolphins are losing and the Canes are losing, like, oh, I can't wait for Heat season to start. And I'm making fun of them going, well, your team's just going to go 43-39 and 39 and lose in the first round of the playoffs. And for them to even fall short of that, I just can't understand it because – Okay, so they went on a 30-11 run, and it was fool's gold, but the next year, they got to the playoffs, we talked themselves into being competitive, and and so I, I just I wasn't expecting for a, a fall-off to happen. I understood that they wouldn't be anywhere near the top four and even the top five in the East, but for them to be this far off of Detroit at home, I just don't understand how it's fallen off
0: this much. Well, I I think there are a lot of reasons for it. Um, I think the biggest reason to me is the competing agendas inside the team. And and I I just think when you look at 30 and 11, what do you mean by that? Well, what I mean by that is that I, I, I don't think that, that various people in the front office and the coaching staff are pulling in the same direction. And I think it's totally confused the players. And the only reason that the team, you know, did what it did a couple of years ago and even last year was they overachieved by a lot. I mean, by a lot, like, I mean, this is not a forty-three and roster to me. It's just not in the modern NBA. I mean, they're small in certain areas. They're duplicative at a lot of positions. They don't have a player who's you know better than a B plus on a good day. Most of their players are closer to B minus. They have players who don't fit together. You play one guy, and basically, you're going to get something, but you're going to give up something else. I mean, Kelly is a perfect example of this. Like, you need Kelly Linux spacing. But if you're going to play him, if you have a four who's competent on their side, he's going to torch Kelly. And that was the same with Wayne Ellington, who I spoke to last night, who, by the way, was giddy to be in Detroit. And this is a guy we talked to before the season who was giddy to re-sign with Miami. I mean, he wanted to get the hell out of here. And I just think what's what's happened is that this team had no direction this year other than, OK, we've got a bunch of guys on contracts. We hope we can resurrect their value. We've got some young guys we want to play. And we're basically going to sort of, you know, patch over this, you know, I, I hate to say it, this dog with some, you know, uh, you know, some icing, you know, known as Dwayne Wade and vice jerseys. And and hopefully that'll get us through. And look, the, the only they've had the Heat have had seasons that haven't been particularly memorable under Pat. Okay. Now this is going to be only their fifth sub 500 season because they are going to be sub 500. You look at the rest of their schedule. They play more playoff teams than they don't the rest of the way. And the home thing doesn't mean anything for them because even though they have two more home games than road games, they're 11 and 17 at home. I mean, the dolphins won six home games this year. (laughs) Six. Okay. The heat have only won 11. They played 28. I mean, the dolphins did that in eight and Adam Gase rightly. So got Mm -hmm. fired. Yeah. I mean,
1: I mean, we talk about Washington being worse than Miami by, by a few games. They're five games above 500 at home. Uh, We talk about, you know, Atlanta being a tanking team, Atlanta's 10 and 18 at home compared to, compared to Miami 11 and
0: 17, like Miami are appalling at home. Yeah, and Dwayne said it yesterday. So you have all of these things that are going on. Also the home it doesn't help. The home crowds have not the games I've gone to have not been energized like even they were last year. I just think they're just sick of this group and I, it's not the group's fault. Like it's just it, it was this thing to to do what it did 2 years ago is even more remarkable in retrospect. But if you look at it, they sort of developed a formula. Like Dragic and Waiters played really well together for a two, you know, two, two, two and a half month period. And they kind of fed off of that. They found a role for James Johnson. Now, James Johnson comes back. He's not in the same shape. Doesn't seem, I don't know if he's not as motivated. I don't know. He just doesn't seem like the same player he was before the injury. And then, you know, he also just regressed hard to the mean. Then you have a guy like Rodney Magruder, who you know is I mean last is starting last night now look he got hurt and he probably should have been pulled they end up having to play Duncan Robinson who if you don't know is not you know a former San Antonio Spur but is is a shooting prospect they got out of the G League who is an interesting prospect but you've got Duncan Robinson you know sort of I know you didn't have justice but sort of starting the second half okay in a critical game against Detroit I mean a game that if you want to make the playoffs was very important it's just it's a mess, and and I think they hope they could get rid of more players sooner. They could create roles for certain guys. I mean, think about it. They've been this bad, and Whiteside has exceeded our expectations, Chris. Like, let's yeah. Like, how is and, that? And happening? and I don't know. Like, to be honest, so I'm looking at the
1: the last ten games, which is when they've lost eight out of ten. Um and. Justice Winslow has far exceeded my expectations and I think has exceeded uh, the expectations of a lot of people, even the people that were bullish on him uh, for what he's contributed. You look at the last 10, he's a plus 16. Like, that is as good as it gets in the NBA. Uh, Olenek is a plus 12. Magruder, who I think is, ha- has taken his fair share, to cri- a fair share of criticism, perhaps rightly, is a plus 9 in this period. Bam is a plus 5. Uh, Josh Richardson's a plus 2. Like, you have players that are developing well, that are helping you win, and yet... There's a couple of guys on the back end of the roster that are, are they sapping it to that degree that they're unplayable? Like, I just didn't think that, okay, James Johnson, it's a disastrous contract. And and you know I, I certainly have taken my fair share of criticism from our group about how much I I think it should be pointed out. It should be pointed out at every turn. These contracts are disasters. But I didn't think he was a bad player. I just thought that he was an overpaid player. Those are two different things. Just as we talked about with Tyler Johnson, when he was traded to Phoenix, I didn't think he was a bad player. I just think he's an overpaid player. And I don't think that it should s- sort of come with the character smears that generally come with players that are overpaid. But James Johnson's just bad now, and and obviously the Dwayne Wade retirement tour is fun. He's not helping them win. Like in in this period, he's a minus eight, and obviously you're trying to chase these moments and you're trying to chase these end of game moments where he's taking big shots, but he doesn't on a night to night basis really help you win. He's always been someone who, in order to figure out ways to play every night, has not really. And I'm not again begrudging him for this. He's not really giving his maximum on every possession and closing out on on every you know on every defensive opportunity. Like he is not a player, and he has to in order to manage minutes in order uh, to 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 be able to play every night. But he doesn't help you win. And so I'm just amazed that there are players that are that much of a sap. Not that Dwayne is, but more that James Johnson and even Tyler Johnson when he was still with the team uh, and Whiteside to some extent and Waiters. That these guys are such saps now that it's 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 to the point where as you said they're bad and they're you know more than a few games under 500 which again I wasn't expecting they're 26 and 32 and uh they're a they're a half game behind Orlando who won again today at Toronto um and that uh, Orlando is better than I, I just I can't I couldn't have imagined before the year
0: I, but you I, said I, that though but, but I mean let, let's go back I mean yeah sure uh, th- this was the argument that you had with our Giancarlo Navas when you basically said if you didn't have spolster you would be the magic mm-hmm. and I mean they're, they're worse than the magic and they do have spolsters so how much worse are they really in theory because i, I look I, you know you say they're, they're that they're i think what's happened here is you have players who were average and now they're not motivated and, and, mm-hmm. and that's the worst possible combination like with a lot of these guys i mean they paid them like i mean they paid james johnson they paid deon waiters they, they paid all these guys and they're just and not, not only they're not motivated but they're frustrated i mean what's going to start to come out I mean, Wayne Ellington is like the nicest guy you'll ever meet. Like, he's not a complainer. Okay. But he made it known to people, you know, I know reporters he talked to, like when he was still here, like how badly he wanted to get out of the situation like that. And then, you know, look at my Instagram from last night. Like, look at the smile on his face. I mean, that's the brightest, <laughs> broadest smile. And he's in Detroit. Yeah. He's, he didn't side with LA. He didn't side with you know, some beautiful, warm weather place. Said, or even Toronto. a team
1: that's winning or that's going to win, right? He didn't, he, didn't yeah, go to, and, and, he
0: didn't go to Toronto to go and chase a championship. And he said, if you if you watch the video, it's on Five Reasons Sports AIG, that he said, he said, I, when, you know, the idea that they could, they Detroit could knock the heat out of the playoffs. He said, I know six straight times with a huge smile on his face and ended it with, I know. Okay. <laughs> I mean, he, wanted, he wanted out of here. So, so look, if he is affected by this right which uh, Wayne has a terrific reputation what's Dion putting into it what's James mm-hmm. Johnson putting into it these are guys that have been passed around to various teams for a lot of different reasons like how so are you getting max effort from these guys and then that locker room yesterday I'm not in their locker room a lot I mean it's not like the old days but I was in there yesterday Dwayne was really short really short didn't want to be there okay it was very blunt was like we're 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 terrible at home um and then you know Goran was not really in the mood and you know Goran's a genial figure i mean and uh, they just, they, they, we've talked on the podcast and I talked to, you know, with Leif and to, to Nikias about this, that Spo looks as unhappy as I I've seen him. Um, at least, you know, in interviews, I haven't had any direct, you know, uh, interaction with him like I used to, but I was at the presser yesterday. I've been at some of his pressers and he just doesn't look pleased. Uh, and so, and, and then when you talk to people inside the organization who deal with him regularly, they say he's not the same in terms of, you know, sort of how, he's, he's, uh, you know, handling some of this stuff. Okay. That, that there's a frustration level there. So I just, it just, this is the season that like, you know, I said, like, this is the season, like you just want to sort of sweep into the sea. Like it just, <laughs> there's, there's only three things. All right. That, that have been of any note this entire year. And that is Dwayne Wade vice jerseys and some Winslow flashes. Mm-hmm. And and that's it. Like there's not, and, and, and I posed this question on Twitter, you know, cause I, I sort of came around back around to this in a roundabout way, but, like you know, they've only had five losing seasons under Pat, under Pat's you know stewardship. Um, it, is this season less enjoyable than fourteen fifteen, the year after LeBron left? I feel like that season, like at least like there was like that moment where Henry Walker hit a shot at the end of the game or whatever his name mm-hmm. was. There was.
1: <laughs> I, yeah, I mean, I mean you had you had Chris Bosh for fifty games. You had you know Dwayne Wade coming back, and and you're still emotionally at a place where you know we're not gonna let. Uh, LeBron James destroy you and and there's still that positive feeling off of having just gone uh, to the finals. Whereas now, I mean, it's just it's so browbeating uh, to see a team that it's the same team on the floor every night that it's been for, you know, uh, nearing on two and a half years now. And there's just, there, there's nothing new on a night-to-night basis. There's nothing that you're getting your hopes up over. There's no player that's going to become a superstar. And so you're just waiting around uh, for for you know for cap space for a trade to be made for a move to be made that's going to you know get you out of this mess. And there's just not really been that joy. And and to me and this is something that we want to talk about on this podcast um, is that it's kind of. I don't want to say sap to the Dwayne Wade joy, but I don't feel like those moments that people have been wanting have really come that often. I mean, we we had one in the Golden State game, and then they lost the game, so you kind of lose that one. Like, is there going to be a video montage of things that Dwayne Wade did this year that is going to carry on, or is it just going to be, the you know, the, the, the montage of the 16-year or the 14-and-a-half or whatever it was uh, years he was with Miami? Like, I I don't know if anything from this year has even really made it on to the highlight reel. So, I'm just I'm at a loss, and, and I was talking about this all fair about you know, how it went from a team that we were making fun of for being so average to being a team that's bad and frankly i mean now uh, <laughs> to, to look the other way as as you know orlando wins again and and we'll see what miami can do now they do have three of their next seven at home against the bottom 5 uh, so they're home with atlanta home with cleveland and home with phoenix that again those are not guaranteed wins because they've lost to chicago already at home but uh, that's where they are they're their 10th in the lottery standings uh, you know depending on what new orleans and dallas can do they can perhaps uh, move a little bit bit lower I mean maybe this is the right way for them to go as opposed to being the 8c but still I just I thought it's a team that and Eric Sposter said it before yesterday's game that's going to try to win they're definitely not going to be the tanking team if you know he said if we start looking for ping pong balls then we're all going to be miserable but I mean that might be the only
0: silver lining from the season well it might be but I mean what's going to frustrate Heat fans so much is that they're gonna you know, they they look like they're headed for ninth or tenth in the East and people are gonna wanna know why they didn't turn tail earlier, right? Because if if this ends up just like two years ago, where, you know, they were 11 and 30, and a lot of people, yourself included, were calling for them to go full tank, and then they went on this miraculous, ridiculous, very fun run. I mean, let's let's acknowledge it. It sure. was fun at the time, the 13-game Yeah, I mean, I, I,
1: gave up, I, gave up on, I gave up on calling for a tank when they beat Golden State at home, and Deion Waiters hits that shot. It's like, all right, this is fun. Like, right. let, it, it, let's it, it, have a nice time. Like, in, in the end, it's just not what the Heat do. Like, as much as they could have, like, they could have, you know, traded players, and they, and they could have just gone in the entire... They were never going to, and they don't. And this is what Al from Heatbeat says all the time. It's like, why are you rooting for this when you know they're never going to do it like why, why are you that interested in it when we know you're basically rooting for them to be you know bad by incompetence rather than bad by purpose and but that's, they are though but right they, right they, but that but that's the thing that's so surprising that, that's, to me is that all these teams are trying new york is throwing out a lineup every night with the intention of not winning as they're up nine against the Spurs. The right yeah like the, they send a lineup out there every night with the intention of not winning the heat are doing the exact opposite and they're failing like it's just so weird to me
0: Go back to our episode. Want to introduce you to another great sponsor of the Five Reasons Sports Network and that is Berlitz Broward. This is the best place to learn a language in South Florida. I can speak to it personally. My daughter already fluent in English and Spanish. We decided to introduce her to Mandarin. She's not even five years old and she's already out speaking Mandarin, knows all of the numbers up to 100 and she loves it. She loves to go back because the way that they work with her, the way that they teach her and they also work with me as a parent with her schedule to make sure that it fits in with everything else she's doing. You can also Learn languages as an adult. They teach many different languages there. Again, English, Spanish, Mandarin, Italian, German, right across the board. They teach virtually every language that you can possibly name. Here's the number that you call 954 743 0077. That's 954 743 0077. Mention that Five Reasons sent you. They'll take care of you. Never too early to learn a new language. I want to transition to this year and the last 24. Sure. Dwayne Wade should start rest of the way. Hmm. It's enough. It's enough. It's enough. Okay. I, 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 you know, yes, the best moment yesterday, probably the whole thing was him taking off his warm up and getting ready to come in, introduce him last. He should start at home at the very least. Okay. Like what, what are you doing otherwise? Like, just let him play. What's the worst that happens. So like you said, if he doesn't contribute to winning that helps you in the tanking, the subtle tanking process, like enough with Dion as a starter, enough with Rodney Magruder as a starter, just start Dwayne. Like, Dwayne should not be finishing his career behind and much respect for making himself into a player. He should not be finishing his career behind Rodney Magruder. Just shouldn't like not, not in this circumstance. Okay. Not when there's, there's no championship at stake. Just put Dwayne in the starting lineup now. Okay. And at least again, it's another gimmick to a certain degree, but fine, you need one for the last 24. I, I, I don't, I don't understand why you would wait at this stage and play him 30 plus minutes. What are you, what are you resting him for? The JCC? Like I just, (laughs) just, just play him, play him with the four kids, because you know what? You, you put him out there and you play him with the four kids. They're going to learn something. They may not win this year, but they're going to learn something. They're going to be better players by playing with Dwayne. A lot of them had their best moments playing with Dwayne. I mean, Bam in particular, I think of late, uh, you know, when Bam has been good, it tends to be when Dwayne's on the floor, right? Justice, I know there's been you know some difficulty there at times this year, but I would still do it. Josh, we're not expecting Josh to be you know what they were expecting early in the year, which is your killer. It's just not in him. Okay, he's a very good you know second or third option. I think he had you know the one the game in what was it the game in Golden State right where he scored yeah, it was, was thirty five, I think. Right, but but he's not going to do that regularly. He's 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 kind of he's a little bit Eddie Jones light. I mean, he's better at some things, but he has a lot of Eddie's personality traits. I, I just. I, I don't care that Dwayne takes away the moments from him at the end of the game. At this point, it doesn't matter to me. Okay. We're not where we were, where you're trying to pad Josh's value to maybe get Jimmy Butler or make him your lead person. Chris, I don't know how you feel about it. I know you're not a Dwayne truther like some of us are, but I, I just, what are you waiting for? At the, what is yeah. what is the upside to not doing it? That, that's yeah. what I'm trying to. To, to me,
1: out. I, I think it. I, you know, the bench introductions. It, it, if you're doing it for emotional value, um, I think I think the bench introductions are fun. I almost kind of think he's settled into the role as well. I mean, we talk about the Heat having players with no roles. Um, Dwayne Wade as a six man is really the only one. Um, but yeah, I mean, why not? Like there there's there's nothing to lose by throwing him in the starting lineup. You might get more people, you know, at their seats at tip off, uh, so that they can see the introductions. Um, Um, I I don't, uh, to me, throwing Deion Waiters out there, I mean, uh, he he doesn't need to start. I mean, if you have a lineup, uh, again, you're talking about basketball fits with, you know, Dragic, Wade, and Winslow. I mean, maybe that doesn't entirely work. Maybe having Olenek out there uh, facilitates that a little bit.
0: You need need Richardson out there, too. Oh, that's true. It's complicated. Maybe Goron's the guy that has to go to the bench for now to kind of run the second unit with with waiters. But, but I, but, just, I mean,
1: but I guess the question is: Do you really think that Eric Spolter is going to make that sort of decision? Like, you know, hey, it's doing Wade's, you know, last go at it. We're gonna we're gonna start him not? because it's fun why and not? emotional. Why, because why not? because Eric Spolter's
0: trying to win games. He's trying to get to the playoffs. But is like, the as much as we've given up on that, they haven't. Well. I... Okay, I don't think he has. I don't know. All right, I don't know who's pushing in what direction. Again, like I said, it does not seem like they're all pushing in the same one. But I mean, look, here's my whole thing about it. People like Eric Spoelstra and Dwayne Wade know, right? Like they know. Like they know this is not a good team. Like right? I mean, I mean, Dwayne Wade played with LeBron James and Chris Bosh for four years. Like he knows. You know. Th- you know this ain't it, Chief. Right? As, <laughs> it? Like, right? Okay. <laughs> Like, you think Eric doesn't know that? Like, I, you know, I mean, Eric was, you know, ecstatic with that team two years ago because of the effort they showed and the push mm-hmm. that they, but I mean, come on, right? Like, I, no, I mean, I, I'm, I'm with
1: you. Like I've, you know, I've, I've said, this is a, a talent, you know, threadbare roster, but I mean, it might, might also be his roster next year. Like, like that's the thing that you also have to consider is, I mean, you're, you're at the risk of, you know, of losing guys that you may be, have already lost, but I just I don't I don't know if you I don't know if their exposures at a place where I think professionals I, I remember talking to Channing Crowder about this, uh, as it relates to football and they were in practices watching Joey Harrington practice. Um <laughs> and, and they started him over Dante Culpepper just to do something different. And all the and all the guys on, on the practice were like, wait a second. We are at practice every day. We know Dante Culpepper is better. Like you might want to scapegoat him because he hasn't been Drew Brees, but like we know Dante Culpepper is better, and like professionals know that they're not being given the best chance to win. Like and maybe, I mean, you know, hell, no one wants to take the ball from him in, in crunch time, right? So maybe there's the ultimate deference almost no matter what. But um, I I don't know if 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 those guys if Deion Waiters is going to feel good about who maybe who gives it, a who, a who, a, who, but who, yeah, who gives it? But I mean, like at the same time. Deion Waiters is here for two more years, and you know Dwayne Wade isn't. So I, I, I don't know. I mean, maybe, maybe maybe Dwayne Wade is. You know that, that emotional value will eventually weigh on Eric poster. I just don't think. Uh, we're ever really going to get there as, you know, Eric Sposter guy making emotional decisions with his starting lineup.
0: But he's made emotional decisions with Dwayne many times, many, many, many times. And, and you know, the but, but, they, but it's so but it's like it's in a basketball context. It's like, well, you know, he's a 17 percent three
1: point shooter, but we're going to have him take the, the last three because he's clutch and I trust him. Not like well, he might not be helping us win, but eh, get out there because your last 24 but games, is
0: Chris, but, but, but it is a basketball context because you can say he's been minus eight or whatever in this last 15, but like, is Dion helping them win? Like, so is Rodney no. helping them win? No. Like I, I you got to throw out the plus minus number with Rodney. I'm sorry. I watched that first half last night. No, like,
1: he's, he's just a guy. Like I, I right. I mean, he's finding
0: him on a roster. He's a good story, but like, I mean, come on. Okay. And, yeah. and I mean, they, they were using him 30 minutes a game and I mean, Derek Jones Jr., to me, is a different conversation. There's real upside there. Like, mm-hmm. there, there's something you can mine. But, like, with Rodney, like, yeah, he's a plug-and-play guy, a 12th man, okay, on a competitive team. But he's not someone who should be starting. He's not someone who should be a 7th or 8th man. So so who are we talking about? Like, what? what I mean... And and this idea, well, he'd take the ball out of Justice's hands. Okay, Justice can wait. Like, I'd rather Dwayne take it out of his hands in his final season than Dion or James Johnson keep taking it out of his hands. I mean, that to me is just stupid. Like, and I I know you can say, well, they got to be here a couple more years. I'm sorry, you got to bite the bullet on that. Like, it's you got
2: support for this podcast and the following message come from Coriant. Coriant provides wealth management services centered around you. They focus on exceeding your expectations and simplifying your life. Coriant has been helping high achievers just like you enjoy their life But,
1: bite how? By like, how? Like trade? I I, I, don't I don't know.
0: I mean, you you may just have to wait the year, okay, and stash them next. It wouldn't be the first time. I mean, what, look at Chandler Parsons in Memphis. Like, mm-hmm. I mean, so if that becomes but, but you're but you're not trading those
1: guys. So you're only either waiving them with a stretch provision or giving up picks in order to get rid of them. Like, but, and and I don't think like, those are those are these are either options that you know the Heat are up for.
0: But a year from now, though, they'll be expiring. So what I'm saying is, so you know, you, you have to suck it up for another year. Like, if you decide, like, let's say. Deon or James Johnson doesn't like it. So you Chandler Parsons them. I mean, you just Mm -hmm. banish them basically. And I know it's not efficient use of cap space, but you are where you are. I mean, we're not going to discuss again how they got here, but you are where you are. And so, I just my thing is this, okay? This ultimately sports are about the fans. If you're not winning a championship, you're not competing for a championship. And there are how many teams are competing for a championship this year? In reality, maybe six. Yep. Okay, I mean, and that's a lot. That's more than there've been in yeah. And years. and
1: to and to me, the the best thing that's looming for the NBA is Kevin Durant leaving Golden State because that number grows exponentially. Yes. If Kevin Durant is with the Knicks next year, then the number becomes like twelve. Right. Right. So, okay, so they're
0: okay, but if you're not one of those teams, sure. the Heat are not one of those teams. They're not like I said, they're they're third worst team in the league that's not tanking. Uh, like then to me it's about the fans. It's either about winning a championship or it's about their enjoyment. And the last 24 games the fans want to see Dwayne Wade. I mean, I, I th- that's it. Like they, they don't care about the rest of this. There's no interest in the rest of it. I mean, you can get him a little bit interested in Justice and somewhat interested in Josh and that's about where it ends. Like and they they like and respect Goron, And that's it. Like there's no attachment to anybody else on this team at all. And so and and Dwayne's attachment dwarfs everybody else by a million percent combined. So just give him the 32 minutes and and I have people on Twitter who are like Oh, well, you want to break the man in his last season? Like, no, it's not to try to push him to make a place. I just want to see more of him. He, I, he's I, got he a goes. lifetime of rest ahead of him. Right. It, it, that's <laughs> I mean, I mean, again, I mean, he's got these bionic knees now that he didn't have five years ago. His, like, his off season is the rest of his life. <laughs> right. What are you saving him for? Like, for the boardroom? Like, I, for, I, for, you know, to, to fly to China? Like I just, but, but there was such a stark contrast because I was in Charlotte and all he did was smile every time I saw him smile, smile. Last night, like, I mean, you could have broken glass with his stairs. It's yeah. just not, it's just not a fun place to be right now. Right. And yeah, so, and,
1: and he, he had a particularly worse uh, compared to the rest of his teammates, uh, Dwayne Wade, uh, a team worst minus 22. And so like, like yeah. he, 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 was in a mood uh, to be, to be that level of, of frosty because I mean, basically anytime he was on the floor the heat, the heat were losing. So, I mean, that, that only, that only amplifies that feeling.
0: They were losing in that run to Langston, Galloway, and Ish Smith. I mean, they, they weren't. It's I mean, ludicrous. I mean, that uh, I mean, was so Detroit's, Detroit's bench is one of the worst in the league. Like, yeah. and, it, and it, it doubled the Heat's bench scoring. And, and don't give me James Johnson was out. Okay, justice you can throw in there, but you had Gore on James back, Johnson so. being out's a positive. Like, well, I, well, it has been this year, right? From a, from a, from an on-off standpoint. So I, I, that's my take on it. I want to see Dwayne play as much as possible mm-hmm. the rest of the way. I think ninety-five percent of Heat fans. Would agree with that. In fact, I, I'm going to tell you right now because hold on, I, I, I tweeted it this morning. I want to see the like total on this. Yeah. Now, uh, now
1: for me, I think it, like immediately if you announce that he's starting, like, uh, don't you immediately get an attendance bump? Like, basically, what happened with, you know, the, the the Chris Bosch thing where immediately you get an attendance bump for that Orlando game, like, mm-hmm. that, I think that might happen if you put Dwayne Wade in the
0: starting lineup. So, I mean, maybe the business people wouldn't mind that. No, the business people would want that. Here here we go, okay? Uh, hoop idea. This was, I tweeted this 10 hours ago as we're speaking. Hoop idea. Is hoop Dwayne idea le- still a thing? No, that's why I used it. Uh, <laughs> I didn't hashtag it, though. Hoop idea. Let Dwayne Wade start and play 30-plus minutes the rest of the season. I mean, fuck it. That was my tweet. <laughs> I, I, didn't, I didn't spell it out. Uh, 29 <laughs> comments, 27 of which agreed with me, 104 retweets, and 495 likes. I'm gonna, you know what I'm going to do right now as we're here? I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to tag at Miami Heat and PR2620. <laughs> hold on. Uh, hold, hold on. Uh, I, I don't know. if Pat's well, well,
1: While Ethan do, does that, we'll take a quick break.
2: Hey, it's Seth Levitt here from the fish tank with my main man. OJ McDuffie, the juice. And juice, we've got a special guest over the next two weeks in the tank. What's up, everybody? It's Pat Sertan, and I'm officially diving into the fish tank. If he was better than Peyton, yeah. he definitely wasn't better than me. Oh, there so we go. So that's what I wanted to get at. That. Yeah, That's where we're going with it. Did you mm-hmm. and Peyton ever play against each other in high school? Absolutely. Beat him 35-7. Wow. 35-7. Get out of here. Oh, yeah. I had three rushing and two passing on him, accounting for all five touchdowns. Had <laughs> hands in all of them. Yeah. Pat came in here saying he doesn't remember stuff, but he remembered oh, I remember that. that. Make sure you dive into the tank to hear our entire interview with Patrick Sertan here on the 5 Reasons Sports Network. You can catch up on what you've missed and hear new episodes every two weeks until July by searching The Fish Tank on Apple Music, Google Play, Podbean, Spotify, or wherever else you find your favorite podcasts.
0: All right, we're back from the break. I have tweeted at uh, the Miami Heat and at the address we believe to be Pat Riley, even though he doesn't tweet from it. <laughs> um, and told him to look at the likes. So basically there were 495 likes on theirs as, as we speak to just, you know, let Dwayne Wade start and play 30 plus minutes the rest of the season. I mean, fuck it. And I believe, uh, you know, th- this is going to have an effect and you'll see Dwayne start the next game against Phoenix. But anyway, uh, let's get to Riley because we were all anxiously awaiting this interview that our buddy Dan Lebitard check out our episode uh, 100 in our library with Dan. It's terrific. In which he actually talks about Pat a lot and, and says that he doesn't think the game has passed uh, Pat by, but signing Dion Waiters to four-year deals deal is what that might look like, which I thought was a, a great quote from Dan. Uh, but Dan had this sit down on his new show, his new conversation show on ESPN. Pat was his first guest. If you're not familiar, you know Dan and Pat, you know have developed a very close relationship over the years. Um, you know Dan has sort of saved Pat from himself a couple of times, uh, which we won't speak on anymore. But uh, but he has, you know, they've had they. I would call it more than the typical. Uh, you know, close reporter, you know, subject relationship. I think it's more of a close friendship. We can talk, you know, at times, because something I sh- I've struggled with as a sports writer about kind of where that line is. I think Dan had it with Ricky Williams a little bit, but it is what it is. Um, and it to the point that, you know, when the Pat Dwayne stuff was going on in 2016, you and I had Dan on our show to basically take the Riley perspective while I took the Wade perspective. And I thought we were basically proxies for the two of them uh to the point that we probably could have hammered out a deal in those 30 minutes. Uh, if <laughs> somebody if somebody had let us that's actually my favorite radio that I did um you know on that show just because and not cuz you, you know it wasn't you or Israel or somebody else my co was talking but uh, I just thought, I thought I thought we kind of nailed it with that. And and so they have a relationship uh that that goes way back and so it was pretty kind of natural that Pat would be Dan's first guest. Um I thought it was interesting uh, a lot about Pat's background, a lot of which we know, or I've written, uh, others have written. You know, I wrote it in a Bleacher Report one-on-one I had with Pat in 2015, where he spoke to a lot of his background and his history. Uh, but there was what was interesting to me about it, Chris, especially because Pat has not spoken to the media, and we've talked about this. He, he, I talk, asked Ira last night: had Pat ever not spoken after making a trade? He didn't think it was that unusual because he said, you know, they didn't acquire anybody because they, they don't really view Ryan Anderson as an acquisition, but, but I, I still thought it was odd. I can't remember any time where Pat hasn't spoken after the deadline, after being active in some way. And so kind of stuck out to me. So we were waiting for this interview for him to say something. And then there was this great tease about how when LeBron walked that ESPN has been putting out about how, when LeBron walked out the door, he saw, you know, a 10 year dynasty, you know, go away, which again, similar, He's used the phrase generational team. He did it again with me in that piece. He's used it other stuff. Not new, but it was interesting that he would bring up LeBron again. That didn't air in the piece. And there was only one mention of the heat, like even beyond 2006, okay, which was about Zoe. There was like nothing from the last 13 years, like to the point that a lot of us think there's going to be a part two and a part three to this thing because they didn't even use the LeBron tease. It wasn't even in there. And the only thing he said about currently is that he is basically, he essentially said he was committed to Eric and to Mickey. Those are the two names he mentioned. Usually he mentions Andy too, but he was committed to Eric and to Mickey uh, to see this thing through and to chase another championship. So I guess, what did you make of the interview? What was said, what was not said, what was not aired, mm-hmm. and, and kind of where it stands with Pat right now?
1: Yeah, I think it's one of those things formatted for time. Definitely, I don't know if because I I think a live sporting event must have run over because I DVR'd it and um and they were re airing the Reggie Miller thirty for thirty uh, with Spike Lee and it ran like nine minutes over. So I I actually only uh, got what, what 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 was on my DVR and um I I was obviously surprised that you know that. Portion of it wasn't really used, but at the same time, I mean, they're they're also they're trying to build a narrative. They're trying to talk about his classic car collection. They're trying to talk about you know his life, and I think those are things that are interesting to Dan as opposed to um the. You know, day to day heat stuff. But I, I do, I do think that at the same time they they lost that opportunity to build that newsworthiness. But to me, the thing you know, him talking about, I want to continue to build out, uh, you know, a, a contender. I want to continue to try and win. I, I'm surprised that uh, he is that committed to this, um, because I, I would just assume that you know, a, a man in his you know early to mid seventies is nearing the nearing the stage where, I mean, I'm looking at this team and I, I don't know how I'm going to leave it. I really think he's only staying because I can't leave like this. That's really his only, and and why he probably laments the LeBron thing is because maybe at some point, you know, he lets the LeBron thing go, uh, maybe moves into an advisory role and lets someone else take charge of it. But I, I don't think that uh, he's really is on board for any other reason that I've got to fix this. I can't I can't leave the organization like this, but uh, is he even, is not even at a place where he can? And that, to me, the most amazing thing about Pat is that obviously you look at him uh, on, on the show and he's you know builds up he builds up his mythology and he's you know recalling like moment for moment. he he shows you why he's had so much success with this. I mean he's like recalling moment for moment the eighty four finals or the, the eighty five finals or whichever one he's talking about, and he's just a savant and and you can understand you know why he has the ultimate confidence in himself. But I I do kind of I, I watch this with a little bit less. Uh, of an aura uh, around Pat Riley. And that for me has kind of been the disappointing bit about these last two years and why, you know, we talk about sad retirements as it relates to players and why that might also apply to Riley because there is just that loss of his reputation and maybe he should talk more uh, because you know he reminds us more of why you know people have the ultimate respect for him and I I, I did feel a bit of that leaving the interview is uh, you know you understand you know why he's this legendary figure but I mean maybe there should be more communication about how this is going to work and how this is going to change but I I just I can't believe that um, that we've reached a stage that four years on five years on from the big three era that I'm thinking about Pat Riley in these terms and I'm questioning whether he can fix it when he put the ultimate thing together. I, I just can't believe that it's come to this.
0: Dan, Dan did a South Beach sessions with uh, with Pat when he was doing those um, before he's brought them back now. But uh, what was it, about three years ago? I guess yeah. it was not that long after LeBron left. And, and, I, um, and I remember because I cited it when I interviewed him. So it's actually got to be four years ago now. And, you know, they, it, it, Pat's I, – I would say the aura thing has faded a little bit since then. Like it, it was not – Because it was before he panicked, right? I mean, like, it was one thing to say, well, you lost LeBron. And we can all – there's a lot of different reasons that are given for why LeBron left, whether you dealt with LeBron's camp a lot, as I did, or whether you dealt with the Heat a lot, as I did. There's totally different reasons. There's people inside the Heat organization who basically give reasons that have never been publicly aired, okay? And I'm not going to do it here. But but there's – there's just a lot of reasons that have been given. And so there was enough sort of smoke out there that was hard. Fog, I would say is a better term than smoke, that it was really hard to just pin it on Pat. But, but look what's happened since. You had the 2016 debacle with Dwayne, which followed the 2015 uncomfortable situation with Dwayne. So for the casuals who would defend, who would have gone to their grave for Pat, like gone to the mat in any situation. Now you had Pat pitted against someone they liked better. Like who had given them more, okay? Which is very hard to do in this town. I mean, Pat is on the Mount Rushmore, but Dwayne's Dwayne's head is bigger on it, okay? I think, um, and so I, I just think that 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 created this thing where Pat was no longer infallible, and then that got compounded by the panic, by the panic of 2016. Maybe Tyler Johnson was Mickey's fault, but even so, uh, you know, the panic, you know, of the White Side move, which whether you defended at the time or not, which I did. Obviously has sort of not worked out that well, even now, like you have recouped a little bit, but not what you'd hoped when you signed him to a max contract. And then the disastrous summer of 2017, which we're not going to revisit. And so and then him putting himself in this position where he 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 they may have done a really good job of recruiting Kevin Durant or Gordon Hayward or going after Jimmy Butler or any of the other players that they've tried to get Kawhi, who I know they threw everybody on the table for, but because of previous mistakes, it was, it was a lost cause. Like they could, they could do the greatest job in the world and the chances were still minimal that they were going to pull it off. And so I do think that the aura has faded. I do think you and I are going to do an episode because I want to compare it to the end of Shula and, and we need to find the right guests for that. We're working on it. Uh, but I think I have, we have a guest in mind who I think would be really good on that topic, but I, that, that's where it is. And so I think about the interview to me, I mean, you you mentioned how he doesn't want to go out like this. He said that in the interview. ESPN didn't play that clip either. That that was the the big tease was uh, one of the teases I saw for this was that you know Dwayne saying in the 2006 Finals, you know I you know I ain't going out like that, right? I ain't going out like this, right? After Pat wrote uh, playoffs, right? He wrote playoffs on the on the grease board. You know it's this is iconic moment, right? The 15 strong thing. I ain't going out like this. And, and Pat tells Levitard that. He says, You know, I feel this, I'm, I ain't going out like this. I don't know why ESPN didn't run that either. Like it makes me feel like there's more, more coming. But you're right. He doesn't want to go out like this. When I interviewed him in 15 and I asked him what it's going to take for him to walk away, he says, When we win another championship, Chris, not Bosch, but Riley, his wife of 48 years, we're, we're heading to a plane and we're going to, we're turning everything off and we're going to Paris. You won't even see me. He's like, there won't be champagne. I don't believe him on this, but he said there won't be champagne, there won't be a post game presser, there won't be anything. We'll win a title and you'll never see us again. Like that that was his image in his head. But well, that's not gonna happen, right? Yeah. Like that that's not gonna happen. Not without like, some dramatic turn of fortune, yeah. I mean dramatic. Like I mean, are they, even though they're a great destination, are, could we, could we reasonably say they're closer to a championship than the Panthers because the Panthers never get anything right. Are are they reasonably as, as much as they've been the gold standard organization in this town, can't take that away from them ever. He's been, I mean, we're mentioning fifth losing season in 24. Okay. It's um, remarkable. He's, He's been an icon. He's Mount Rushmore. Everything else, but are they necessarily closer to a championship than the Mar- Miami Marlins right now? Really?
1: I mean, both teams are starting from like, and and we can we can do this comparison as much as we want. Everyone's starting from nothing, right? So the Marlins have you know these prospects. Uh, the Heat can have a blank slate of cap space in two years. Um, and uh, and the Dolphins can you know draft a quarterback number one overall in a year's time and uh, and, and start from there. But realistically, right now everyone's got nothing. Um, I mean, maybe the University of Miami has something, uh, you know, because, you know, they've got a coach and you can recruit and, and those things can prove to be the difference in a way that they just can't be in professional sports. Um, and then, uh, I mean, the Panthers, like you said, I, I think they're far away because uh, they're they're trading for cap space, right? I mean, I don't know if they're gonna do anything before the deadline, but they're basically they're in a cap space mode. Um, and it, it sort of makes me think that they don't think what they, that what they have is enough when I think that was our impression of it. But yeah, I mean, everyone's starting from nothing. And so, can Pat Riley with a blank slate first off at this point can he really be trusted to, to have a blank slate because um right now the joke of the heat is that you know anyone who does anything good for them is going to get a 4 year 40 million 40 million dollar deal like can you really expect that you know when Goran Dragic opts out or or you know is on a new contract that he's not given a, a multi-year extension or that you know what does the Bam out bio extension look like what does Justice Winslow ex- Winslow's extension look like like can you even really be trusted to have a blank slate and then if he does have one. What does that look like? And, and and who can you bring in and who's going to be attracted to this situation? I mean, Miami has kind of taken themselves out of the running. What happens when they get back in the running? And is that going to be enough to, to lead them towards a championship? So I, I just think that everyone right now is starting from nothing. And to me, the fact that Pat Riley this late in life still wants to start from nothing and go again, I admire it. I mean, obviously, you know, I I don't, I, there is definitely an ageist um, element to, you know, say, oh, he's so old. Why, why would he want to carry on? Like if he wants to carry on, he can carry on, but I'm I'm, I'm amazed. I'm I'm amazed that he wants to.
0: Yeah. And look, I I mean, I want to be very clear on this. Maybe I should have said this at the very start of the podcast and, and I'm going to be clear on this going forward. I think the things that have happened over the past three years with this franchise would get most executives fired. Would that's not saying I'm not that's not me saying that they should in this case. Those are two different things. Most other franchises, if you sign the kind of contracts, player these kind of players or those kind of contracts, you're gone in three years. You just are. I mean, and and especially when you're still trying to dig out of it and everything else that's happened and this this muddled roster and all the rest. Like other guys would get fired, but that is totally different than me saying he should be okay. And and I want to make that clear. He has earned the right to go out on his terms. All right, and so. In the same way I felt that Shula did earn the right to go out on his terms, the discussion we will have another day but but this would get you fired somewhere else It would and so and you know if 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 it wasn 't hidden with that track record working for this owner in this market uh, with everything else that Pat has accomplished, it's just if you just looked at it and put it on a slate, it is what it is. I mean it's been bad and so uh, but i want to make I want to make that very, very clear. I'm not going to call for Pat's firing at any time. Maybe more power. Being given to some others of the organization, I feel like I've heard that that has started to happen a little bit in, in some cases, and Pat has deferred a little bit more on some things. That, I think, is is responsible at this stage. But I also am not going to be ageist about this. I don't care how old he is. I really don't. He can be 88 years old. If, he, if he's still good at this, Like let him do it. Like I don't have mm-hmm. a problem with that. But the question is, is he still good at it? Okay, and I think uh, you know I'm not going to judge him on Jimmy Butler, and I'm not going to judge him on Gordon Hayward, and I'm not going to judge him on Kevin Durant. So let's stop with all that. That
1: those particular I think, circumstances. I, I, I think Jimmy Butler. I mean, you you definitely know more than me. But was there anything more he could have done?
0: I, I don't know. Other other like to
1: me. The way that it looks from the outside is he might have reached a stage where he overvalued his own guy in Richardson and Richardson and pulled him for the trade. So that, you know, so because, so, I mean, and you've never really been under the impression that Richardson was really offered in earnest. And that, that for me would be a mistake.
0: I, I had heard that when he was offered, he was offered with conditions, which was basically having to take something Minnesota didn't want. Now, I, now that reporting of mine has been contradicted by others. And so I'm not going to, uh, you know, I'm not going to challenge that that much. If it was Richardson, Olinick, and a first. I think that's a perfectly reasonable offer for a guy who is going to be a free agent at the end of the season. Who's been trouble with a lot of different teammates. I wasn't really that much in favor of it. Look, they may, if if they could have clear cap somehow, they could be a player for Jimmy Butler in the off season, because I don't think it's guaranteed that he and Tobias Harris are both staying in Philly. I mean, if they flame out in the first round or even the second round, Tobias, I think is a better fit with the other two guys that they have than Jimmy is because he's a better shooter. So I, and, he's, and he's an easier personality to deal with by far. So they may get another crack at Jimmy Butler. I'm not going to criticize him for those three moves. I, my criticism is strictly reserved for the, the two Summers that made it impossible. Like, as I've said many times, it's like, if you're elite at something that you do, don't handicap yourself to such a degree to make it as hard as possible. It's like deciding to play Madden or, or 2K on championship level when you're first starting. Like, why would you make it that hard on yourself? And I feel like that's what he's he he and the organization did to themselves. They did this to themselves. Like, they are the premier organization in this town. They're one of the premier organizations in the NBA. And the only way that they were going to take themselves out of the conversation was, frankly, to just do a bunch of stupid things in a row. And they did. And that's where we are. So but I'm fine with him staying. Age is not a factor to me. It seems like he wants to stay. It seems like he wants to take another crack at us. I just wonder how, this. And we can close with this, Chris. I just wonder how long they're going to be able to keep it together. So if he's going to be there indefinitely, where's Shane's upside? Mm-hmm. where's, you know, uh, you know, Nick, I mean, is basically owns the team, you know, obviously along with Mickey, he handles a lot of other stuff. Does Adam Simons stay forever? You know, Chet has already sort of moved to the side. And the biggest question I have is the coach. Like he's been in this organization for 23 years. Yep, he's been I the mean, I covered for 11 first season. Right. He's, he's the second longest tenured coach with his own team in the NBA. And the other one, Greg Popovich could retire at any moment. I mean, he's number, I mean, he beats Rick Carlisle by, I think three days as, as, as you know, current tenure with the team. Carlisle coached obviously Detroit and Indiana before he went to Dallas, but Eric's been here forever. He's got he's got a baby, okay, which changes his life. He's been traveling, okay, for you know decade plus. He had uh, more than that. He's had uh, he had one of the most pressurized jobs in the world in any field for four <laughs> years. I mean, he he looks to me like I said just from the outside. I haven't communicated with him directly about this. I'm just saying he just looks tired to me. It looks frustrated to me you know he's never said a bad word about Pat publicly there's been acknowledgement after the fact you know that they didn't really speak you know for like a month during a championship run there's there's more friction there at times than I think commonly gets reported um, you know I've heard of some scenarios that you know that have been there Eric's his own man in a lot of different ways even though he is incredibly reverential when he speaks about Pat and rightly so because Pat gave him you know an enormous break and not I mean the first time just keeping him around okay as the video guy and then obviously, you know, anointing him to be the head coach and then keeping him as the head coach when they brought in the big three and then keeping him as the head coach when LeBron wanted him out initially. Like, uh, Pat has done great things for Eric, and he should be, he should show reverence to Pat. But, like, it's 23 years of the same damn voice. Like, how, you know what I mean? Like, yeah, I just wonder. I, I wonder how long this is sustainable to kind of keep everybody aligned and under the same roof when, when it's it's apparent that it's been wearing on a lot of different people the way that this has played out. And, you know, we'll see, we'll see. But uh, I I hope that we get to hear more of the Riley interview with Dan because Dan gets the best stuff out of Pat. And and I feel like there was really compelling stuff about Pat and his wife and about the, you know, the stuff we've heard before about Zoe telling him to, you know, go talk to the fucking team and do his fucking job and all that. We've heard all that, but like if there's anything else about what direction is for the franchise, because he hasn't given it lately. He hasn't given it. Yeah. Uh, I mean, and, and, I mean he, and he hasn't re I mean, and he's not gonna, I mean, I don't know. I mean, he, he, he can't be
1: at times exceedingly honest, but there can be a moment where he just goes, you know what guys, I really screwed this up, (laughs) like like he hasn't like I remember you know last year, uh, you know during the year the you know right now we're you know in the top six but you know that's not good enough and uh, we're not happy with that and uh, and and he he was you know still trying to you know convey some sense of of optimism but. I mean, obviously, after this year, like, uh, what do you say other than I screwed up? And I, 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 I don't. I think he's probably too proud to ever do that. And he's obviously got guys under contract, so he can't, he can't really. But I think that's at this point. I, I don't know if it's what I want to hear because it would probably make me sad. But I think it, it's it's there has to be some acknowledgement of okay, we we had a bad plan
0: and we need to fix it. But he's done this before. I think part of what's keeping him from doing it now is that saying that publicly basically acknowledges. That certain guys on your roster shouldn't be there, and you don't want them there anymore. So it, it's it's hard for him to say right. it. I think that after, that has to
1: be followed up with action, whether it's you know waving or whatever.
0: Right, right. You can't you can't just you can't just say that. Like you know, we made a bunch of dumb moves in 2017, and this, everybody checks this out. Oh, who signed in 2017? Okay, now we got it. Like he's not he's not going to do that. And also, again, not reporting this, but if he's not aligned with everybody in there in there about things like him saying something could could affect you know the way that somebody else does their job, right? So I, I get it to a certain degree. All I've said is it's unusual that he hasn't in some way addressed it because he is one of the great talkers of all time in sports. And one of the things he's done consistently, and I used to regret this because it, it drove me insane, is I would go down to write, when I was a columnist for the Sentinel in particular for eight years, I would go down to write a critical column about Pat, and then in the first five minutes of his presser, he would destroy himself. Okay, and I'd be like, "Oh, I feel, kind of feel bad for him now." Like, I'm not, and I, and I, would, I mean, I, I just, I mean, he was he was great. It was like the preemptive strike, right? Like against the whole situation. He's a master at this. I mean, if you read anything he's ever written, I mean, he's a brilliant, brilliant person. But it, it hasn't been good, and it's like nobody can directly acknowledge it, and so you just get whispers from different parts of the organization, and and that's basically where you're at. And it's just, it's a strange place. Uh, for them to be. But we'll have more on this as we go forward. We went long on this one, but just start Dwayne Wade, okay? Start Dwayne Wade.
2: Thank you for listening to the Fire in the Podcast. Thank you so much. Support for this podcast and the following message come from Coriant.